Through budgeting, saving, investing, and more, we gain a practical guide to achieving financial wholeness. The book, Get Good With Money, the author, Tiffany Alici. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's Let's get get financial lit. (laughs) Yes. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. And if you're listening on YouTube, you you have to know that we are investing financially into this show. Our video is clear. We coming to you in 16K. This just came out yesterday. We got it for the podcast. So we're a lot clearer. You might think Alexis sounds a lot clearer herself. Yes, she's investing. Okay. I'm investing. We're investing. And there's more to invest. <laughs> there's always more to invest. But Tiffany told me to stop investing. Oh, she sure I'm did. I'm going to get on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gems. What she said, do you have a business or do you have a... Do you look like a business or are you a business? <laughs> Hello. I said, Tiffany, Mm -hmm. just say my name. Just call me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, listeners, readers, let me just say, I did not do a theme of the week this week. So we're going to push it on because I was ill prepared. Okay. No, I think you're good because we got so much to talk about in this um, show. So no, you're good. Well, shall we jump into the author and context? Kari, can you tell us a little bit about that? About our author, Tiffany Alici didn't uh, she wasn't when she was growing up and going to school and getting her education. Finance was not her goal. Education was. But it worked out perfectly for her because she was a preschool teacher. She's a first generation American. Her parents are Nigerian. She came um, onto the career scene with a strong work ethic and a financial plan. She was doing it. She was saving most of her money like a lot of us were taught to do. Um, I, I can say for me, I grew up with the, as far as financial advice is concerned, two things, don't use credit cards and number two, save as much as possible. But that's, I mean, her parents seem to be teaching her more than that, but that's actually the course she was following too in her early 20s. And that's not enough to build wealth and financial security as much as we can be secure. But anyway, so she... Financial wholeness. Financial wholeness. That's not enough for financial wholeness. Um, So... When she started her career, she was a preschool teacher working a job she loved. She saved up enough to buy her own place in her early 20s. No, she wasn't traveling like Alexis. If you guys don't know, check out Alexis on Instagram. Alexis is traveling. Uh, That's her (laughs) handle. Um, But she was investing in her future self, who she calls Wanda. (laughs) And she was making sure her (laughs) retirement was on point and she had real estate. Okay, and a a lot of savings. I think at one point a financial advisor or accountant or a banker of some sort laughed at her for having so much cash and savings and not investing it anywhere. She didn't know. Financial crash of 2009, which we'll get into later. She's out of a job. She can't pay her mortgage. 
boom, boom, boom. But through that trial and tragedy, those tears and tissues, she found a new career path that fit her even better and allowed her to do what she loved. And that's where we find Tiffany Alice today. I do believe she's recently suffered a loss of someone very dear to her who she brings up throughout the book, her husband. Um, and so to me, it was also um, a little heartbreaking to read how much he comes up in a positive way. Um, but I know that for her, those positive experiences still have great value. That's how it is when someone passes. Um, but every time I read about him, I was like, oh, um, especially when we talk yeah, about too. estate planning. Um, so that's what I have on Tiffany, Tiffany Aliche. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Now let's hear a brief synopsis without spoilers before our deep dive. So Tiffany is going to not give you an anecdote, not let you know what someone else did. She's going to give you 10 tools to become financially whole. Her goal is to not make you wealthy for today, but to make you wealthy for today and tomorrow. And she's telling us that no matter how much debt you have, how little debt you have, you are in a position right now today to take control of your finances. Alexis, who do you think would love get good with money? Um, I would say anybody that is looking to improve their finances, looking to get out of debt um, or even looking to move to the next level yeah. in their finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And Kari, why did you choose this book? Yeah, I have to say that I'm not as financially savvy as I think I should be or would like to be. I'm at a point now where I want to um, plan for my financial future in a more aggressive way. And I don't really know how to do that. All I know is to not have debt and to save. That's boring. So I want to do something (laughs) fun with money. I want to have a plan that I understand um, and is tangible. I want to know where my money is going and why. Like, why am I saving? Why? So, so I need things to be explained and put in perspective. And then I need um, to take action to improve the decisions I make to be more conscious of why I'm making my financial choices. So that's why I've, um, I really want this to be a year of self-improvement for me, which is why I've read so many self-help books. Okay, Kari, with the self-improvement. Taking a page out of Alexis's book. I don't do self-help books because I'm not really interested in improving myself. But this year I thought, what the hey, let's be better, I guess. So, yeah, that's why I chose it. Well, I love it. Are you ready to take a deep dive, spoiler filled, into get good with money? I am. Now, I want to preface our discussion by saying we're going to give away spoilers. Okay, so we're going to get into the nitty gritty, what these 10 steps are, what they mean. However, when you read this book, it will be new for you. And we've said this before about some works. We can't spoil this book for you because your own financial situation will dictate how you read its pages and how you apply what you read if you choose to. Um, so let's begin. It's 2009. Oh. So in 2009, Tiffany has to move out of her. She woke up one day to the news that she got to get out her house ASAP. Rocky, no Rihanna. She's a teacher, <laughs> supposedly in a recession proof job. OK, because people mm-hmm. stay having kids and somebody got to teach them because the parents ain't going to exactly. do it. Exactly. But nope. She's laid off 
can't afford her mortgage. And her thought is, I messed up bad. Wow. Personal responsibility already. We learning who Tiffany is because a lot of people in 2009 was like, well, I know. <laughs> Including the banks. <laughs> Not Tiffany. She's like, I messed up. Mm. Oh, Tiffany, go easy on yourself. Let's talk about right. who she is, though, and where she comes from. So her parents, like we said, are Nigerian hard workers, successful, retired. Um, they had always taught her fiscal responsibility growing up. Her dad, it seems, would really take the lead with that, um, inserting little lessons throughout the day. How could someone like her fail? That is the question. She was taught how to be financially responsible. How can she be uh, going through a foreclosure? This is a quote from the book. We each must learn how to weigh our short term desires against our long term goals. That's something her father taught her. So as we're reading of the book, she fast forwards to 2009. She's 26 years old, balanced finances. She's saved $40,000 in three years. She has an 802 credit score and she's a condo owner. But still, she's mm -hmm. failing. What happened? So let's mm -hmm. get into it. The scams. Are you f familiar with scams? What's your relationship to scams as one podcaster likes that? <laughs> What's my relation to scams? To scams? Um, I have not been scammed before, although I could potentially be in the mix of a scam. No, just teasing. Oh. That's not true. <laughs> Sometimes I think this podcast is a scam, but anyway. <laughs> It is. So let's talk about the scams <laughs> Tiffany encountered. <laughs> the first was with Jack the Thief, who we'll call JTT, no Thomas, home improvement. So he was like a mentor to her. Never invest your own money, he said. Get cash in advance from your credit card and invest that. Great advice. <laughs> Not. So blinded by a deep wish to help her parents retire, Tiffany followed the advice of her friend and financial advisor, JTT. Cash advances on credit cards, however, are bad news. Big bad news. But she didn't know. If I didn't learn nothing else, that's something I learned in early in life. Yeah, I mean, easy money is bad money. Just always. Mm. But anyway... Tiffany goes to the bank and asks for a $20,000 advance. The teller and the bank manager sit down with her. Um, JP Morgan come up out of the hole he in. And he like, Tiffany, you sure? And she said, yeah, JTT, I know what I'm doing. He's advising me. And they said, are you sure, baby? And she said, stop, I'm grown. I want $20,000. And so they said, OK, you got great credit. We hope you good for it and gave it to her. She mm. then invested in herself with a business course that cost $15,000 and she handed the $20,000 from the bank to JTT. If you're counting, that's $35,000 in one week. Oh, my goodness. She went from having no credit card debt to being 30, over 33K in the hole. Despite their contract, because she was smart enough to have it in writing, which footnote, Always have business stuff in writing. You, me and Alexis got a contract. I ain't going to honor it, but we well, got one. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, we always, do, though. We do. Yeah, always have the a contract. The going to make her honor yeah, that. That's true. If they can find me. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> despite their contract, guess what JTT did? Alexis, you know what he do. He took advantage of her. <laughs> 
That's right. He ran away with her money, predictably. Yeah. That's deep. I've seen it, though. People will take your money and run. People you've been knowing for years. Where do they go? Do they have another home that they have secured just for occasions like these? Who it's knows? so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, dishonoring trust like that is just terrible. Yeah. So anyway, for two years, though, she refused to accept responsibility. And I understand because she's in this limbo where she's thinking it's JTT's fault. We have to catch JTT. Um, And that's true. (laughs) Uh, So while she's. However, you were the one at the bank. You handed him the (laughs) cash. Um, But um, during this time when she's not taking full responsibility, she's paying the minimum on her credit card bills because in her mind, she's going to get that money back. From JTT when authorities find him. Anyway, Mm. uh, later at 29, 29 years old, she finally accepts that her money and JTT were gone forever. Mm -hmm. So where is she now at 29 years old? Remember, we we caught up to her in the beginning at 26 years old. She's a condo owner looking great. 802 credit score. Now at 29, she's fifty two thousand dollars in the hole with student loan debt, which scam. Um. $220,000 $220,000 mortgage scam. Seriously, if you can't guarantee me a job, why am I paying so much into educational institutions? It's disgusting. But that's another show. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 20, $220,000 uh, $220, mortgage, which is like reasonable. Good for you, girl. But she can't pay it. So then it's not reasonable. Uh, $35,000 in new credit card debt. She's laid off with little savings. Foreclosure followed. There is some good news, though. She Googled him and JTT is in jail because he didn't just stop at her. He was like, oh, this is easy. (laughs) In the business of it. Anyway, the feds caught up with JTT. But back to our girl, Tiff. She's distraught. She moves back in with her parents. It's funny because she was so, quote unquote, financially responsible before all of this happened that her parents had to sit her down and was like, girl, can you get some edge um, control? Can you get a, a wig, some braids? Because you're looking rough. And she was like, like, you ain't taking care of yourself, sis. Yeah, girl. Do better. Get some eyelash like stitches. <laughs> you can shame in the family. But what they didn't know is she had nearly $50,000 in the bank at that time. She just wasn't spending it on herself. So from that extreme, she is now moved back in with her parents. Her sister got her old. It sounds like she was like they made the basement a little apartment for her at one time, but her sister took it over. So she got to move into the little room upstairs. That's technically her mama closet. She's nearly (laughs) 30. She's embarrassed. Okay. She yeah. is embarrassed. She'd been canceling um, nights out, brunch days with the girls first because she wanted to save her money and now because she ain't got money. And so mm. she finally accepts the call, uh, the telephone call of one friend. And I love this friend. Uh, she helped her put her financial problems into, into perspective. She was like, girl, what is wrong? You ghosting everybody. You move back in with your parents. Just talk to me. What's up? And so Tiffany explains it's the worst thing you could possibly think of. And she lists all those problems. And the friend was like, girl, is that it? <laughs> I thought you had this. <laughs> Everybody got financial problems, girl. Everybody, yeah. You're still you. I love that. That's special. It is. It is. Normalize it. Because for real, maybe your problem it, it isn't is financial. Normal. But you, 
so many people have financial issues. So um, soon she did take control of it. She realized this doesn't have to define her. And then she started coaching her friends who were going through their own financial messes. And then the Budgenista was born. Budgenista is the um, online name she's coined for herself. She had a podcast. I think she still does. I'm not sure. I used to listen to it regularly. Um, and she's Budgenista across all social media um, platforms. So Budgenista became her brand out of this tragedy and a very financially lucrative brand because she started making in a year what would take her an entire year as a preschool teacher. Because don't nobody pay teachers. Not in this country. Mm-hmm. So she now teaches others how to be financially whole. What does that mean? I don't remember the specific um, definition, but I think it encompasses un- having a whole understanding of your financial situation and the things that um, help you in your financial life, including insurance investments and that. Yeah, if you're like me and maybe you don't have debt or you have a little savings, that don't mean you financially whole, not even close. So, yeah, it's a lot. It's not a lot, but it's like, it's like no one taught me this. And this is what I should have been learning in school instead of trigonometry. That's what it's like. (laughs) And that's for sure, because it... um. It's not taught in schools. Thank goodness she was able to get that bill introduced in New Jersey where she could. Um, that financial wholeness is taught in school. But um, Alexis is a um, not a mentor, a mentee. <laughs> she is a mentee of Tiffany Alechi. So she has insider information that I don't have. Please, Alexis, <laughs> explain to me and our listening audience what you're referring to. I don't know what you're talking about, but this I was bill she had passed. I didn't know about that. Oh, n- no, it's in the book. Isn't no, it's it? not. <laughs> yeah, OK, so she had a bill passed in a way. Uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but not too long ago that allows um, schools, New Jersey schools to teach financial wholeness in school, financial literacy in school, ultimately. And that is like. That's great. If you could learn financial wholeness or get that financial education early on, that's the that helps you get over so many hurdles. You're more aware and you you don't make the unnecessary. You may make them, but you're aware of how to fix it when you make them. And I think that's a big deal. What level of schooling? Like high school, Um, grade school? I don't remember. Um, Mm. what level of schooling just that the bill she helped get that bill passed I love that because as soon as you graduate high school credit card companies are hunting you like a lion hunting an antelope they are outside (laughs) your school they are trying to give you t-shirts in exchange for your entire life (laughs) it's weird (laughs) so why not give us the tools to fight these demons Before we encounter them on the street. Literally. Mm-hmm. It should be illegal because the institution, the college is already getting your money. And then they allow credit card companies, at least at the school we attended, they allow credit card companies just line up down on the sidewalk. I remember walking by and they'd be like, hey, girl, hey, 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 <laughs> ponytail, ponytail. Ew. Like a boyfriend? Yes. Like the uh, cell phone oh. kiosks in the mall. Okay. Oh, well, that. Oof. So, mm-hmm. how does mm-hmm. Tiffany define financial wholeness? 
10 fundamental areas of your life must be in working order for you to be financially whole. It doesn't matter if you're in a financial hole, you can start working toward being financially whole. It is both the journey and the destination. Yes, Tiffany. So pause here. We're still going to do a verdict, but I'll tell you right now, this is the most useful financial aid book and self-help book I've ever read in my life. We're not starting with anecdotes. I don't need that. That's not motivating Mm. to me. What -hmm. we're starting with are tools. Get your tools. You don't have your tools. Here are some tools. Throughout the book, she doesn't just uh, tell you what to do, like get a financial advisor or join a credit (laughs) union. She also gives you the resources to find the best one for you. For real, this is like a kit. It's, this is a kit. It a is get a kit. good with money kit. It's amazing. Yeah. So let's begin the 10 steps of financial wholeness. Step number one, budget building. What does that mean, Alexis? If you Learning. read the book. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Learning how to create um, a budget for your life. And making it automatic or semi-automatic. Yeah. So um, learn how to create and semi-automate a personal budget, just like Alexis said. Number two is save like a squirrel. So if you were taught to save your entire life, that's not wrong. But she's going to teach you how to calculate the number needed for three to six months of essentials and how much you need in each category of your life. Don't just be saving, just having a whole bunch of money sitting in a big bank that's not working for you in fact it's making you broker which mm-hmm. she'll talk on inflation dig yeah, I out love of how debt she explains that part mm-hmm. yeah dig out of debt number three choose a strategy and automate the plan that's dig out of debt um number four score high come up with the plan to reach a 740 plus score now my goal has always been 800 Tiffany said, for why? <laughs> she was, she was that's like, because that's you heard that you. number. You heard that number. and was like, oh, I got to get there. Yes. That. Is that, yes. Yes. Um, but she tells us that if you have a 740 or higher, you get the same perks as someone with an 820. So calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that was a newsflash to me. Number five, learn to earn. Increase your income. Make an argument for a raise and develop a side hustle. That's all in the learn to earn umbrella. Number six, invest like an insider. Retirement and wealth. Identify goals, create and implement a plan, commit and leave that money alone. Mm-hmm. Number seven, get good with insurance. Can I tell you? Snooze fest. Hope don't nothing happen to me because I was just grazing them <laughs> words. I was like, I don't need this. I'm covered. But I'm Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about say, it. <laughs> hold okay, your horse. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Uh, number eight, grow rich ish. Calculate ish. net worth. <laughs> Own more than you owe and create goals and define actions. Number nine, pick your money team. Find reliable and trustworthy financial professionals and advisors. And number 10, leave a legacy, estate planning. So let's get into it. The nitties and the gritties. Before you begin these 10 steps, you actually have to get ready to begin them. (laughs) 
And this is great because Tiffany wants you to be a paper towel person. What's a paper towel person? Growing up, if she spilled something, her dad would fuss at her. But guess what? At the end of the day, you still got to get a paper towel and clean it up. (laughs) I love this because I am solution oriented, but I don't always know the solution. I don't like to chit chat about the problem in the past. That is just so unhelpful. She don't, y'all. She don't. And neither does Tiffany. So I really appreciate that. Make money work for you. Don't work hard for money. You the boss of money. Now this, I don't know. Sometimes the money do be bossing me. (laughs) Don't let me find no extensions on sale in the kinky yaki I like. I don't know. The money be like, get rid of me. I'd be like, you right, money. But (laughs) Tiffany said, don't do that. Hit pause and ask yourself, what will this bill do to me a month from now, a year from now? Etc. Before making a purchase, when money wants to buy a new bag or some weave, let money know. Uh, uh-uh, uh, you going in the savings this month, money? Wow, talk about superhuman strength. <laughs> expect, <laughs> <laughs> expect growing pains. It ain't gonna be easy, but just like in real life, when kids experience growing pains, it means they're leveling up. So you're gonna level up in life. It's gonna come with a few growing pains. Create a gratitude list. This is something I do. I call it a blessings list and add to it as you find reasons to be grateful for what you already have. You'll notice that that list is going to be full of things you can't buy. Um, And that's a great reminder that you don't really need to spend money probably as much as you do. I don't know. I'm talking to myself. What matters most is free. (laughs) It sounds cliche, but it's true. Tiffany gives an example of visiting her family in Nigeria and they had a TV, of course. They had things, they had cell phones, but they weren't tied to them. Sometimes I'm like so sick of my cell phone. I'm like, you here again in my hand with my eyes looking at you. (laughs) I just want a week off of my cell phone. But um, you could take it off if you wanted to. Yeah. I could plan and do better or just do better with my screen time. But um, Tiffany's point is that spending time with people and enjoying experiences, those are those um, times are what matters. So step away from the people and circumstances that don't encourage you, that don't encourage you to reach your goals and just don't encourage you. Some people won't understand having financial goals. Maybe they'll think just having a financial goal is perhaps materialistic or unreasonable. That is not those people don't talk to them about money (laughs) flat out. You ain't got to tell everybody everything. That's fine. Remember the power you truly have. If you're, um, you know, being crushed under crippling debt, you still have the power. There are still things you can do to take control of your life. That debt even does not have to control you. One little note, she says, stop saying you're in debt. Because if you in debt, can't nobody go to debt and get you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Say you have debt. I have, have debt. debt. Mm-hmm. That kind of goes to the atomic habits thing. Make it about your identity. Don't make debt a part of your identity. You have it. Right. Get rid of it. That's all. Anyway. Let's get into these 10 steps. Now that we're ready. Okay. Budget building. Get a firm handle on your numbers. Did you do this, Alexis? The activity? No. Man, me neither. But I'll do it (laughs) this week. I'm really excited to do it. Um, 
Footnote, we have an apology to make to our listeners. We read another finance book and we was excited to do something about, I'll just tell you, we was going to try to make $10,000 in 10 days. Alexis, do you need $10,000 in 10 days? Not in 10 days. Well, maybe. You don't. That don't even go with our personality. (laughs) Make it clear. Make it clear. Listen, we ain't never going to do them activities. I've even made, if you follow me on YouTube, Chicago Wings, that's Chicago (laughs) I-N-G-S. I even made a video about how you can earn $10,000 in 10 days. And you can, but I'm not. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) You had so many strong goals that you wanted to. Why is my goal to make $10,000? For what? Well, that is based on desiring to be a millionaire. So that's for some people. It's just not for everybody. You want to be a... That's part of being a millionaire. That's a separate I like slow money. I work better with slow money. Slow money is better for my personality. You give me fast money, I'm going to lose it fast. I'm going to lose it real fast. (laughs) And I'm going to enjoy doing it too. Slow money, I can work with that. I can build that into wealth. Okay, moving on. Step one. Budget building. Now, remember, we have 10 simple steps to becoming financially whole. And this is the first one. Calculate how much you earn monthly and how much you spend. If you have a bill that you pay every three months or annually, chop that whole amount up into months. So if you pay um, $110 to Amazon Prime annually, chop that up into 12 months and put it in your monthly spend budget or, or spreadsheet. Okay. Right. And I don't even want to say spreadsheet because sometimes that scares people. Take a notebook, piece of paper, and write it down. This is real quick and easy. You could do it. And she even provides a workbook. So either get the book, even the audio version. She tells you how to go to her website and download her PDFs. Yeah. Yeah. So think of building a budget like visiting a doctor when feeling ill. Find out what's wrong and make a plan to get better. That's all. Now. Under each of these 10 simple steps to becoming financially whole, she also lists do's. So actionable items. Mm, I eat that up. So (laughs) budget building has eight do's. And here they are. Number one, make a money in list. That's your income. The money you're bringing in. That's the alimony you collect from your ex-husband. That's your job. That's your side hustle. That's all in. Then make a money out list. That's that money you got to spend and you want to spend usually. Put all of it in your out list. So if you like to buy coffee three, five, seven times a week, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a week that has to go in your out list. Okay, not just your mortgage and your rent. (laughs) Number three, calculate how much each expense costs monthly. That's your money out number. Number four, calculate your beginning monthly savings. We'll talk about that. Don't worry. You don't know what that is. Maybe we'll talk about it. Number five, assign control categories to expenses. Number six, reduce expenses as needed and look for ways to increase your income. Then recalculate your budget. Mm -hmm. Number seven, separate your funds and eight, get automated. So here's the breakdown. Make the money in list. That means calculate the average of your last three checks, perhaps, to find your money in list number. Um, is there any other money you're getting? I mentioned alimony. Is there any other money like Alexis from her three ex-husbands? Maybe you have a way that you're bringing in money aside from your career. 
that all goes into your money endless. Think of all the ways income comes in and add that number up. Number two, make the money out list. Start with words, not expenses. I love this. So go gym, Netflix, coffee, um, lunch, instead of trying to start with numbers right away, which will slow you down. Then as you look at your words, look at your expenses on your debit and credit card statements to get an idea of what those words should be. Um, Include the spending of anyone you share money with. So if you're married, you have a joint account, include the partner spending also. Um, Include wedding gifts, baby shower gifts that you have coming up um, or that, you know, just happen usually every season. Side expenses and big expenses and, you know, include them. But actually, at this point, don't worry about the numbers. You're just getting the words down. Include all those words. Number three, calculate expenses. Now think about the numbers. Find your total monthly spending amount. Don't forget expenses that come up every quarter or annually, like we said. Remember to divide those and make them a monthly amount too. Bundle expenses to save time. Um, Maybe you go out to eat five times a month. Just have a monthly eating out budget. That's the average that you spend doing that activity. Okay, got it. Good. Number four, calculate savings. She calls this the tears and tissue. (laughs) So (laughs) subtract the amount spent by income calculated in step one. So um, take that money, take that number you found in step one, your income list and subtract from it your out, your out number. Keep the faith, she says. We're going to improve. Maybe you're in tears and you like $50. Yeah. I mean, right now that's your, that's your monthly savings. Is that what mm-hmm. you want? Okay. She got you. Assign categories. Number five, this is a step towards solutions. Now, you know, the problem perhaps now let's talk about solutions, create three labels, one bills. These are things that if you didn't pay them, you'd have a legal problem. Number two, um, you be. That's utility bills. And that's a problem only if neglected and usage controls the amount that you're billed. So you need to cut back on electricity to make that bill go down. You you have some control there. And then number three, C for cash. These are not obligations from someone else. Um, They're obligations to you. So this might include groceries, um, personal maintenance, things like that. If B's and UB's seem too high, if your mortgage rent and utilities are too expensive, you might have an earning issue. You need to earn more money or live below your means a bit. Um, If cash is the problem, though, if that's where you're seeing the most spend like me, then you might have a spending issue. It can also be a combo of the two, of course. Number six, reduce and recalculate. Work with the expenses that you have the most control over. Those probably probably aren't in the B category, but maybe in the UB and definitely in the C. After <laughs> seeing where you can cut back, recalculate the monthly savings amount. That's the um, income minus the money that goes out. Then make your savings a bill. Just like you pay your rent and mortgage, start paying your savings. If you do not make enough to cover all expenses, prioritize by asking, if I do not pay this thing, will I be unhealthy or unsafe? And then she uh, mentioned something that has worked out for me. Call and explain your situation to those you owe. Do not ghost them. Listen, y'all, 
as terrible as student loan debt is, it is the most forgiving, negotiable debt you will ever encounter in your life. Is, is, has that been what you found, Alexis? When absolutely. You had absolutely. I remember I had all my student loan debt in a box and I just called. It was like uh, two or three lenders. And I was like, hey, I'm not working right now. So I just want you to know I'm probably not going to pay you for a while. <laughs> And one woman I talked to gave me advice on how to consolidate those debts. Once I did that, I talked to the one debtor or lender I owed now um, and told them my situation. They said, OK, we'll defer it. I had to call them like, hey, can I start paying? <laughs> like years <laughs> have passed. <laughs> I don't even know if it came up on my credit report anymore. They were so <laughs> forgiven. She was like, oh, dear. Now that's inappropriate, but she was. She was like, oh dear, don't worry. We'll do this for you. We'll do this. And they did. And my interest was the same and I just didn't have to pay it for a couple of years. It was wild. Yeah. And then that I paid it. One, it's certainly a thing about um, student loans. You can always pick up the phone. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call them. It may seem scary, but just give them a call. They can't do nothing. They can't take you to jail. This is the thing. They can't do nothing. But you do want to have a record of who you speak with every time you call someone you owe money to. Um, I've even had this actually happen with a credit card. So the credit card I got in college, I was in a situation where I got laid off and I couldn't pay it. And I told them and they agreed to not report my credit for three months. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So actually, I'm like emotionally connected to that card now and I'll never close it, which is great for oh, my credit. Wow. But it's a stupid card. It don't even give me nothing. But <laughs> thanks, Capital <laughs> One. Um, so moving on. So where are we now, Alexis? Um, I think you just finished number six of the budget building. Thank you. Okay, so number seven, separate. Consider having two savings accounts and two checking accounts. I do this, but not in the right way. Now for years, maybe decades, I have ridiculed Alexis and her family for having credit union accounts. <laughs> yes, I, you have. <laughs> I didn't understand why anyone mm -hmm. would do that. To me, having a credit union account, you know how in the small suburbs, it'll be like an abandoned shack and you look harder. And, <laughs> oh, no, that's the bank. <laughs> that's the Bank of Oak Park. That's the name of the bank? I don't think so. So to me, I was like, stay away from them. Them is the, that's the scam. But I was wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and only she realizes she's wrong because somebody else Tiffany Alice. I wasn't gonna mm -hmm. listen to the people I know and love. I'm listening to Tiffany. She the expert. So again, two savings, two checking accounts. Where do you want to open these accounts? She tells us. First of all, you do want a big bank account. It's convenient. It's nice having um a big bank checking account because that money is always available to you and that can come in handy. In this big bank checking account, you you um, have one account where you put your direct deposit and tie that account to a debit card. In the second account, that's where the bills come out of and make sure there's no debit card tied to that account. That'll keep the money safer from you because you the enemy <laughs> yourself. <laughs> that's not untrue. <laughs> 
and then have an online only bank. And these are usually better for interest rates um, because they don't have a high overhead and it makes getting your funds inconvenient. Now, I'll say for our business, we had an online only account. And it was a little too inconvenient. Like we had, what broke me was we had an issue with somebody stealing a little money from our business. The audacity. Someone in Arkansas at Walmart got a hold of our account. And so we brought it up to our bank. And how long did they take Alexis to give us our money back? Like two, three months. We hurried up and went to Chase. So I don't know. I get it, but mm, I don't like it. So anyway, um, but she says in one account have six plus months of essential monthly expenses saved. So this is a savings account. That sounds semi-safe. And in the second, um, your long-term goals, each dedicated to um, a specific goal. So if you want to buy a house and go on a nice big trip this year, have two accounts where money is saved for those activities. Um, I'll say... I think I'm okay. I'm not the expert having just one account and then using Intuit, um, which used to be QuickBooks to um, monitor which goal is being fed financially. I like to do that. And then I don't have a lot of accounts, but four accounts isn't bad. That's what I do. So I'm just going to insert this. I was in her dream catcher program. Yeah probably back in 2016 and I applied these techniques um, and they have worked wonderfully for me. I mean, like I'm unemployed now, but <laughs> I had the whole setup and it was just so easy to do all the things that she said, because people would tell me, try the um, envelope method. I'm like, but I don't oh. function in envelopes. So, so when she told me this, I was like, bet do it, done, check it off the list. And it was just so easy to have one account in which all my bills came out of and then whatever was left because you're only putting in what you, your bills are. And then as your bills decrease, you just got this money sitting in there that's always going to cover your bills. So it was very yes. helpful to me. And then the um, did you get to the part about the savings account online? I did that, that you can't touch. The savings account that you can't touch. I used her recommendations and went to one. And that savings account has been um, very wonderful. And just like she said, you got to think about it. Um, you can get the money within 24 hours, 24, 48 hours. But you have to make a decision Do how much you really want that. So these, these um, techniques for me have been tried and true. I can't wait to get another job that paid me. <laughs> oh wow that's the first time you said that in a long time <laughs> well, okay no, I mean clarity clarity not like a job I just want somebody to pay me yeah <laughs> that's if what you're I listening um, better help uh, Squarespace so you can sponsor us we don't use your stuff but please let us know if we can sponsor you we might like it we definitely need better help Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, I love that. And one thing now she mentions later on and I'll touch on it. Don't allow these um, not lenders, but these bill people don't allow these companies to automatically withdraw from your account. So that's something I do. I automate all my bills on the business, on the companies in instead of allowing my bank to automatically pay them out. 
So she says by automating it, allow your bank to send out checks or electronic payments to the bills you owe instead of allowing the company to withdraw funds automatically. But having a separate account for bills, I've had experiences where the money that I set aside for bills, that account was negative and that didn't make sense. Well, it turned out somebody withdrew more money than they should have. Um, so that it let me know that something was wrong there. But Tiffany's method is definitely better to not give the power to those companies, but to keep the power by dividing that money from my bank and allowing the bank to pay them. One downside, my bank sends checks to my um, to people I owe money to and checks take forever and sometimes they don't come. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I don't know, like I've paid people and that money leaves your account once you allocate it from your checking account your your bank sends the check so i don't have the money and the person i owe don't have the money the company i owe don't have the money so we all just sitting around waiting <laughs> i don't i don't really like that <laughs> but i get I it say, i get it do what works for you because um i'm fortunate to not have had that experience where someone else has taken more than they should from yeah. from that bills account um so i continue to have it automated where they take from me um, but I do monitor the account so that, yeah, that's important too. Major key. All right. So, uh, credit unions provide low loan rates. So make a relationship with a credit union before you need to borrow money. Um, so that when you do need to borrow money for a real estate or even a car, you have a relationship there. They know your spending habit and they can trust you with a low interest loan. Number eight, automate. Does my employer allow me to have my pay delivered to month to like monthly accounts? Will they take my one paycheck and deliver it to multiple accounts? That's what I'm trying to say. I've had this done before and I just stopped. (laughs) But it was awesome when it did happen because then you don't see the money and out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. Your payroll check is going to these four accounts or maybe even five or six automatically divided. So... Um, I'm going to start that up again, actually. Yeah. Thank you, Tiffany. Back in the day when I did have a job, that's exactly what I did. It's, mm-hmm. it, you just don't miss it when it's already gone. Right. Right. You just adjust. It's great. Mm. All right. Save like a squirrel. This is our next key simple step to becoming financially whole. A few do's to start. Be like the squirrel. Understand the exact amount you need to save for your cushion and your goals. The two savings accounts, remember? Make it a reoccurring expense for you, just like you pay your rent or mortgage. Number two, identify and calculate your savings goals. Okay. Number three, drop down and get your noodle on. (laughs) I had to read this a few times because I was like, are my eyes fooling me? What does this mean? Well, she explains later on. What's the smallest amount you can survive on if you need to? Do you know your amount, Alexis? Um, no. $7 a day. That don't include a house, <laughs> but everything else I've had to give by before was $7. Okay. So you learned this through experience, I take oh, it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the person that you'd be like, you want to go out to eat? And I go, sure. And then I get there and I go, I'll have the soup. <laughs> yeah. And then I look at your plate and go, how is it? Is it good? And you go, you want some? I go, just a taste. And then I say, waiter, can I have a plate? So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, but I used to be that person. <clears throat> no shame. 
So anyway, what's the smallest amount that you listener can survive on if you need to? And she says, drop down and get your noodle on because you need to calculate how much you need to, to, sur- to survive on old school ramen noodles. Um, you don't have to live on this, but you should know what it is just in case. So if you get a huge healthcare bill or whatever, you can say, all right, for maybe three months, maybe a year for her, for Tiffany, it was like a year or two. This is what I have to do to survive. I have to make this amount um, or I have to have this amount available to me. Um, Bonus, save unexpected money. That means that when you go to check out at a store and you thought an item would be $50 and it winds up being on sale and it's $25, instead of going back and getting another item like a two for one, save that $25 into one of your accounts and then build on that unexpected money. I like to put um, my tax refund too into this unexpected money amount, especially since the IRS be taking its time giving me my money back. So it is unexpected money when, <laughs> when I get it. <laughs> so um, practice mindful spending. This is a, the fourth do. Do I love it? Do I need it? Do I like it? Understand why you're spending. I love this too. So why do you love this uh, this tip, Alexis? Because I am a spender and I will spend. I, um, I feel fun. like if you want it, <laughs> get it. Do it. Why not? So I love mm-hmm. that. But this kind of puts some um, control around your mm-hmm. spending when you need to have some control around your spending. So to think about it and is this what she talked about the bracelet too, right? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, and I love that being able to put it on the arm and you can just see it right away. Oh, do I really need that? So what are the bracelets? Go ahead and explain her message. She, she mentioned those three um, questions that you ask yourself on a bracelet. She said, if you see her, ask her for one, she'll give you one. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know. Do she sell them on the website and make them available? I'm not sure. But on the cover of her book, she's wearing these bracelets that are like the Live Strong bracelets. But mm-hmm. on them, they say, do I love it? Do I need it? Do I like it? And as you spin, maybe put it on your most dominant hand. And as you're about right to hand. give that card over, you look at that and you're like, hmm. Now, if you like me, this is not enough information because... Just to give you an example, I found a coat, a trench coat recently on um, consignment and I love it. I genuinely love it. I could put it next to me and just look at it as I fall asleep. <laughs> I love that coat so much. But that's not a love. She's, she's going to define it for you if you're unbalanced like Kari. She says <laughs> a love is long term enjoyment, although I'm going to love that coat for years. But that's I not mean... what she means, I guess. But maybe it is. No, I love it. I'm putting this in the love category. But what (laughs) she means is like starting a business, buying a house. You see, you don't really need to buy a house to survive, but that might be something that you enjoy and your legacy, quote unquote, will enjoy for years or even decades to come. So that goes in the love category. Likes are short term, like fine dining. You might want to save up for a Michelin dinner. Um, is that, I mean, that's a like. That's not something you're going to enjoy for years to come, right? I think every time I spend, uh, like you and I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's but it's the experience. And she does yeah. talk about experience. 
spending on experiences. And um, I I would consider that an experience because you can um, think back and talk about um, how that experience was and what you remember about it, who you shared it with. Yeah, maybe Alexis, you're right. This isn't a great example. I think a better example for me is DoorDash. Sometimes I'm like, man, it's going to take me 30 minutes to cook or I can wait 60 minutes to have food delivered. Is that even more convenient? In my mind, in my little brain, it is. So that's a like. I don't even be liking it all the time. I had a burger taste like paper the other day. I said, what? Is this ain't gourmet. Have you experienced that? Yes. <laughs> Why are we experiencing that? There's some know. scamming going on with the DoorDash and the- mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a shame. Anyway, so there's that. And that's under practicing mindful spending. And then number five, set up and automate. Allow your bank, your account to pay out your bills. Don't allow those bills to just dip their hands into your account. But set mm-hmm. it up so it's something you don't even have to think about. So What's a recession? Okay, we should know this. Can you define a recession, Alexis? Is it six consecutive quarters of no? uh, I don't know the word. Yeah, it's just like a a very layman way of explaining it is that um, big American businesses are a great indicator of how the overall economy are doing. Um, So when you think of big American businesses, are they hiring? Are they laying off? Are they making money? Are they losing money? Um, As they lose money, as they um, uh, lay off people, we start to enter what's called a recession because we're there. There's no ebb and flow. It's just flowing. It's just downward. downward. (laughs) It's flowing downward. Yeah. And so it's all about trends. The trend is down. You have a recession for too long and you have a depression. However, if you're political and you don't want to call it a depression while you're president, you can call it the Great Recession, which is what we had in 2009. (laughs) Hey, that's a depression. Stop. Anyway, so recession occurs every 10 to 15 years. It just happens. So that's actually great news because it means you can plan for it to an extent. So even if a period of time is not described as a recession for whatever reason, we can kind of follow those trends and calculate that every 10 or 15 years, there's going to be an economic downturn and we can plan for it again to an extent. Here, Tiffany teaches us how to select a proper bank online and in person so that we are prepared as much as possible. Next, dig out of debt. Hey, this is the next simple step to becoming financially whole. She explains the details of interest, what compound interest is. Hence, it's scary. Don't get into it. How to deal with debt collectors and your rights. Is a debt collector calling you at your job? Send them a cease and desist letter. They don't just control your time. They can't just contact you whenever you want. Is a debt collector calling about a debt you had when you were still living with your parents, perhaps Columbia House years ago. Listen, between you and me, they own their own. That ain't music company. Yeah. Maybe you got 20 CDs for a penny and you never paid them. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, debt is sold all the time. That's a business. So a new business buys your debt from 10 years ago and they start hounding you. Do not admit to anything over the phone. You don't want that old debt to be reopened. You want it to stay a zombie debt. And a zombie debt is like, it's alive, but is it? 
no one can uh, bother you about it <laughs> and it don't go on your credit. So it don't exist. Pay your debts, you guys. Let your honor your word. Moving on two popular methods to digging out of debt. Do you remember what they are, Alexis? Um, restructuring it. So she doesn't. Snowball method or the oh. avalanche method. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember oh, this? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. I actually did. I did the snowball method in her dream catcher program. So, so I I've do done a combination know. of both. Um, and I, I really love this. So snowball method means you're paying off the debt from the smallest to the largest. And avalanche is basically a reverse to that. You're paying off the largest debt first. Here are the details of the snowball method. Um And just a hint, you pay the same amount until debt free. So if you have five credit cards you're paying off, you are allocating a monthly amount to paying those off. And that amount doesn't change until they're all paid off. So you list all those debts from least to greatest, figure out how much you can squeeze from your budget to pay it, pay them off. And that might be a combination of savings and income right now. Make the minimum payment on all the debts except for the smallest because you're paying that off first. This is the snowball method. Automate all those minimum payments. Okay, for the smallest debt, use the money from um, two and three to pay them off. And two and three is figuring out how much you can pay from your budget and making the minimum payment. So with that minimum payment. And the extra amount you're allocating, pay off the smallest debt first. After the first debt is paid, put all the money you were paying toward it to the second debt. You see, that's how it's a snowball. So let's say you owe $10 on four credit cards and $9 on one. You're going to pay the minimum, which might be a dollar on all five cards. On the $9 card, though, you're also allocating this amount that you've gotten from your savings and income, maybe $5 until you pay it off. But then you take that $5 you used to pay and you also start paying off debt number two, so on and so forth. So don't say, well, now I can pay less because I've paid off one of the cards. That's not how it works. Hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, read this book. (laughs) Sorry, which (laughs) one did you find? Was it the combination that was most successful for you or one or the other? Yeah. So I paid off the cards I hated the most. So I tied it to emotion. So if for some reason I decided I have some credit cards I don't like, I have a lot of credit cards and some of them I just don't care for because they don't give me points or maybe I had a late fee three years ago and they didn't forgive it. They're on my bad list. So I want to get rid of them first, which doesn't make sense because they get my money first. But that's yeah. how it works for me. So um, that's what I used to pay off all my debt. I um, did a combination of avalanche and snowball and added some emotion in there. And then it was fun paying it off. <laughs> Makes no sense. Sorry, and then it was fun. I hate that. I'm going to pay them first. No, pay them last. <laughs> Don't even pay them and wait Don't seven pay years. Them. No, Pay them the very minimum until you have to. <laughs> then they getting all my interest money. They don't deserve. But anyway, go ahead. Which one did you use? Uh, the snowball. I've okay. been most successful with that one. And that can be good for morale because you're checking off more bills. Um, yeah. Whereas with the avalanche, there might be a very large debt and it takes you a while to pay that off first. That probably is better financially speaking, though, because that large amount has the highest interest. So if you can get over that, 
um, that that probably is better in the long run. But the point is to pay it off. Don't worry about it. Um, you might have to call your debtor and let them know you aren't paying toward future payments. You want all that extra money to go to principal, um, especially if this is a mortgage. They might try to pay that toward your future um, installments. And that's not what you want in this case. Um, all right. So remember, no debt plus no savings equals debt because of inflation. So always remember to pay yourself first by saving money. Now let's talk a little bit about scoring high. This is where I have the most fun. I really look at your credit score as a game. Um, Credit players, here are the credit players and their high school equivalents. The credit report, that's like (laughs) your transcript, Tiffany says. Then you have your credit score. That's like your GPA. And then you have your credit bureaus, which are like the teachers. The goal is to get what GPA, Alexis? 740. That's right. 740 or higher. Also remember that the 30% or less credit utilization is good. But Tiffany says aim for 10%. Shut up, Tiffany. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. And then (laughs) lastly, (laughs) playing the rewards and points game. Pay off before your statement close date. I'm a huge fan of rewards and points, but it does not matter if you are continuing with the balance month to month. You are not getting anything. So bonus tip, jump like Jordan. Tiffany Tiffany wants us to automatically pay off one credit card balance each month. And you're like, how can I do that? Well, she tells you have a zero balance credit card or credit card that, you know, you, you pay off the balance of and then use that credit card to pay the lowest cost bill you have. Maybe that's Netflix. So on your little Capital One card from college, you are it has a zero balance and you're just using it to pay Netflix every month. And then you pay it off before the statement date. Well, to the credit bureau, you are constantly paying off your credit card, at least that one. And that's great. That'll make your score jump exponentially. <laughs> Exponentially. 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 What's the word? Stop it, T.I. Get out of my head. I would say expeditiously. Exponentially. Um, with the foreclosure, t- t- foreclosure. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm so excited. With the foreclosure, Tiffany still managed to have a 740 credit score in two years with this method. Next, learn to earn. The do's of this, maximize your earning potential at work. Let them know what you've done for the company. Don't just give them a rough idea. We'll talk about that soon. Number two, enhance or assess your skills. Remember your job and your skills are different things. Really look at what you can do. Number three, decide which skill you can monetize. And number four, put a number on it. So at work, get more from the job you currently have. That's the easiest way to increase your income. Start making a bragging list. This goes against uh, the nature of a lot of us, but make a running list of the wins you make for your company and how much those wins are worth. And when you ask for a raise, it also helps to have um, what other people are making in other companies with your same position. So with those two things, ask them for a raise. And then you're not asking for a favor. You're asking to be compensated for the money you're you're earning them. Take classes to do things that will help you say to your employer, look, I'm even more qualified now. And another tip is to see if your employer will pay for those classes. Now, enhance or assess your skills. Spot your skills and ask, what is it I know and what do I do well? If you can't think of anything because you're so humble, ask your friends and ask your family, but not the haters. (laughs) Decide which of these skills to monetize. 
shoot for direct return on investments in the beginning. Or if you're only side hustling, don't pour a bunch of capital into an idea just yet. Listen, Tiffany, I get it. Um, For this podcast, we've poured a a lot of money into it, but the money we poured into it are, in her um, definition, direct ROI. For example, let's say we're trying to, I mean, in our case, start a podcast. We have to invest in the equipment. We have to invest in improving that equipment sometimes. But a non-direct or indirect ROI, something we shouldn't be investing in, might be little ads for our show. Not just yet, although we've done that. (laughs) So if it's a cake business, you need the ingredients, you need a cake pan that's direct ROI. You can invest in that. But in the beginning, don't be printing flyers and marketing to promote your business, perhaps, because that's an indirect ROI. Don't worry about looking like a business. Instead, be a business and you're not a business until you start making money. Don't Mm. pour time and money into activities that don't make you money. And so this is the last episode of Lit Society. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! We hate it here. Real talk. Real talk. (laughs) Just kidding, you guys. We love spending five hours on this show every week. Love Put a it. number on it, or five plus. Put a right. number on it. <laughs> Cal- calculate how much you can earn. Bonus, aim for $500 a month side hustling. That's a good number to get behind. Invest like an insider, retirement and wealth. And now we're near the end of my notes because I lost interest. Listen, <laughs> Tiffany is trying to tell y'all how to get good with money. I think I just want to be okay with money for a while and then I'll get good with it. Because when she starts talking about retirement and wealth, y'all, she is getting into the nitties and the gritties and telling us everything we should know. Thank you, Tiffany. Give your future self a name, she says. Her future self is Wanda. She goes, you know, do I want to go on this trip right now or do I want to give Wanda a home to live in when she retires? You know what I'm saying? I love it. If you're not taking advantage of retirement tools, you're losing money flat out. So here are the dues for that section. Determine how much you spend, decide where to put your money, choose your investment mix, asset allocation, and set up automation and limit withdrawals as much as possible. How much do you need to save? Find your savings rate and increase as much as possible. But one way to calculate the number is to multiply multiply 25 times your annual expenses to find what you need to uh, retire on. The more you save, the more you can then invest. Now, this isn't savings. This is investing because we want to invest for retirement and wealth because we want our money to keep up with inflation and the unpredictable nature of the market. Um, If we're just saving, that money is actually losing value in our savings account. 12 to 25 percent or more is a great idea. But Tiffany breaks down more methods and even offers multiple hacks to get the number you need to comfortably retire. Then where do you put it? You might choose a 401k, traditional IRA, Roth IRA or SEP IRA or SEP IRA. She has a favorite. She explains why. She breaks down in plain language where you should put your money based on your personal situation and how to allocate investment money. She then breaks down how to begin investing for wealth, which is different from investing in retirement. She talks about getting good with insurance. A lot of us have life insurance, but maybe we don't need it. Maybe there's another type of insurance we need. Maybe we're not covered for everything we think we think we're covered um, for, for which we think we're covered um, that we need to know. We need to ask questions that we may not even be even known to ask. 
Um, and that's under her get good with insurance tip. And then grow rich-ish. That's where you calculate your net worth. This is kind of fun. Um, you always want to own more than you owe. Um, but you want to create goals and define actions to get there. So your assets are what you own. Liabilities are what you owe. And she created a worksheet to help you get the exact number of your net worth based on those amounts. Um, and then she talks a bit about the purpose of work as defined by Damon Dash. He was on a radio show and he was like, I wish people knew what the purpose of work is. The purpose of work isn't to work, it's to get that money to work for you so you cannot work. <laughs> the per and so that you can own. That was his thing. So that you can own. And people had a real problem with it. I remember that he was saying how working is selfish because you're just going to work for somebody else. And that person's um, children are getting all the benefits of your hard work. I mean, that's a little hyperbolic, but I got what he was saying. And I, I mean, I appreciated it. So, so did Tiffany. Anyway, pick your money team. These are the financial advisors you choose to surround yourself with and they can be online or in person. Tiffany, for example, can be on your money team. Um, no Floyd Mayweather. The dues. <laughs> Fill your team with the following. An accountability partner, a financial planner or advisor. Make sure they're certified. A certified public accountant, a state planning attorney and insurance broker. Um, and then leave a legacy, a state planning who gets your cat? Who gets your debt? Who gets your house? Who gets your kids? And which charities do you want to support posthumously? Um, and that's really the book. So there's a lot of meat there that I'm not going to cover because then I would be getting into my business and you really need to read it and get into your business and what you <laughs> need to do. Right, Alexis? What Absolutely. you Absolutely. All right. Let's take a quick break. How does that sound? Great. What did you think of Get Good With Money by Tiffany Alice? And would you recommend this book? Let me start by saying, yes, I would recommend this book. I love Tiffany. I was a member of her Leverage Academy years ago. I um, went through her Dreamcatcher program and um, I didn't move on to the next because my situation changed. So I just backed out. I canceled the program, but it has so much information. And what I I bought her first book and I believe it was called it's not a really a first, I mean it's a book but it's called One Week Budget and so I used that and then her program to get my finances in order and one of the things that I appreciate about her this book is that it puts all of that information into this tiny tight little concise package but I really love that she goes into a deep dive which is into insurance and mm. investing um, insurance is people do not understand insurance and to have these little pages that you can refer back just a high level explanation of what insurance um, is about what it means um, what a deductible all of that I think is helpful at the very base level and it truly goes into financial wholeness it makes sense and the investing part was a bonus so i think mm -hmm. it's just like her um dream program 
in a book form that you can read and refer back to because within her dream catcher program, there was always some other professional she was pulling in Mm -hmm. that had the knowledge and experience um, that would just make you financially whole. So I love the book. Um, I'm team Tiffany all day, uh, team Bajanista, if you will, as she has so much helpful information. So I would recommend a book and I loved it. So how about you? What's your final verdict? And would you recommend this book? Well, Tiffany's enthusiasm is contagious, but you need more than that to really offer a qualified, helpful financial advising book. And she has more. She brings in experts when um, when necessary, I'll say. But on her own, she comes with actual knowledge. She's not just trying to make a book. (laughs) We've read books in the past where the author was even like, I wanted to make a bestseller and I did. (laughs) Tiffany is like, no, I've been doing this for a while. And I feel like no one a lot of people don't know this. And I want you to know this because you've already taken the first step to buy the book. It's obvious you you care about what financial wholeness means. So let me just tell you what it is. Okay. <laughs> I hear some worksheets so you can really have actionable items that are tailored for you. Wow. This is the most useful self-help financial advice book I've ever read for me. This is how I learn. Again, not with um, anecdotes, but with actionable items. She tells me the secret and motivates me to take action right away. Like from page one, there are no useless parts in this book. So this is a book I will gift to others. I hope they don't take no offense. But, you know, if you ask me for some money, I'm going to put it in this book and wrap it up again to you. And I can't wait to read uh, and and not just read more, but um, just follow Tiffany's advice and see how it works out for me. And then watch what else she does in the finance world. She's the real deal. Yeah, she's got a, I think she's on Netflix right now or is it Amazon? One of them. Yeah. Great. She has a, well, I don't know if it's her show or if she's the, um, if she's the, the, the professional, the financial professional on it. But okay. you know, she's been out and about. And that budget that I was saying, that law that passed was passed in January of 2019. And it was making oh. financial education mandatory for middle, middle school students in Yay! New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, mandatory is huge. And yeah. middle school is great. Oh, I love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. That'll wrap us up. What are we reading next week, Kari? Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. Yes, yes. That's an Alexis pick. <laughs> yes, of course. You know, I got to go youth. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Lit Society. We look forward to meeting up with you next week, Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by myself, Alexis Anaria, and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and leave a comment on Apple and Spotify about why you absolutely love us. We love you too. Um, If you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, Read something. Read something.